This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time. It's time. It's time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. Ten, five, victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of the Star. 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 Welcome back to the Love of the Star podcast. I am Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, the radio flagship home of your Dallas Cowboys. Joined, as always, by... My co-host, Brian Broaddus, former Super Bowl winning NFL scout, and now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas, Monday through Friday, 2 to 7 p.m. Central, and also part-time color guy for the Dallas Cowboys radio network during the preseason. And Brian was in the booth on Friday night for the preseason finale. Uh, How does that always, I, I mean, I know you you enjoy watching the game, doing the pre and post and everything else, but is it always a little bit of a, a bittersweet moment at the end of preseason when you know your color time is over? It really is. I mean, when Brad signs off and he's looking at you and he's extending his hand and saying thank you and, you know, you shake his hand and you then you know it's, it's over. <laughs> and, yep. you know, it, it's something I never, ever, ever take for granted. I just – Never did. And I'll just never forget the first time that we were at, uh, you know, Colquam Stadium there in San Diego. And I I told uh, I told Brad very first time I said, Brad, I'm calling this place Jack Murphy Stadium. I'm sorry, I'm not going to call it the Colquam. And he looked at me and he goes, man, you call this place whatever you want. And Brad was always that guy that said, listen, our fans care about our team. They can care less about who's at Seattle or who's at the Chargers or who's, you know, Brad made that thing so easy to do because, and again, they've got a very talented group, you know, with spotters and statisticians, Bob Thomas and those guys, Danny, all those guys. I mean, they make it so easy to call the game that it's, it's fun. The hardest thing of those, those reads, and I'm, I'm not a good reader when it comes to those things. And we make a bunch of jokes about that, but, um, those, those things put pressure on you now. You know, you go through and you read them and you still mess them up and stuff like that. But, yeah, it's uh, it's sad when it's all over. But when you when it's over, you know it's time to start the season. It's time to start the regular season. So that, that, that part of it is probably good for everybody. I always uh, – you mentioned in there that the, the pressure on those reads. I always, Terrible. If, if I'm hosting and they tell me, hey, we're, you're teasing the next segment, I'll be like, all mm-hmm. right. And I got the perfect tease in my head. Mm-hmm. And 
they always throw it to you and say, Bobby, what's coming up next? And then it's just deer in the headlights and you're fun. Oh, yeah. Words. And so yeah. I know. Rusty's corner. We can talk about cornerbacks next. Yeah. You know, one of those things. Yeah. Sports is next. Yeah. Uh, fine. So in, in that uh, preseason game, 27 to 26 victory. Coming out of it largely healthy, Aaron Champlin had a uh, a pretty gruesome looking injury. Yeah, it was bad. He had trouble. We were, I was down in the the tunnel um, outside the locker right before the end of the game, and he he couldn't walk on it. He was yeah. being completely helped off by trainers. So so that's a negative. That's not a big thing. But other than that, uh, relatively healthy coming out of this game. Um, other than Kelvin Joseph, which I, I'll I'll talk about here in a sec, but. Uh, Brian, what were uh, some of your large takeaways from what we saw, and do you think it has any implication on either the 53-man roster or certain, you know, starting depth chart battles? Yeah, me personally, you know, I I really, really would have liked to have seen uh, Will Greer go win this job, and I I don't know if he did enough, Bobby. I don't know. And, and I'll say this. Cooper Rush played better than he did. He played well against – he was bad against uh, Denver. He was good against the Chargers, I felt like. And then, well, good for how much they threw the ball. But, you know, in this game, you know, he was he was fine. You know, so the thing with Will Greer – and I was talking with Brad about this during the game. He's like, why do you like Will Greer? Because I like the mobility. I like the ability. You know, you saw that loose play ability where he's able to scramble and move. And I think that's more indicative to how the Cowboys play with Dak Prescott. Yep. They play with a more free-flowing kind of quarterback move, waggles, boots, you know, move the pocket, those kinds of things. You know, Cooper Rush could be a little bit, you know, like a statue at times when it comes to that. And But I don't know if I – I don't know if Will Greer did enough. I – I want to believe that they will see the things that you know I see when it comes to the quarterback mobility, the way he kind of slings it around. He's he's a smart guy. You know, they're both smart guys. But maybe the fact that Cooper Rush won that football game is going to still kind of, you know, when you have the uh, the scales, it kind of weighs that like, hey, we've seen this guy go into a, a hostile environment and win a game. And I think that says a lot now. If it flips the other way and they say, no, no, we, we like Will Greer because of the mobility and, and all that and the upside, man, that would be – I think that would be a great thing. But I don't know if he did enough this time around. Well, I mean, you can't call those RPOs. You can't call those, those you know – Oh, no. Yeah. All those sort of things that you were able to call with Will Greer. And the offense looked completely different in terms of what they were willing to call, how they wanted to do things when Will Greer got in there compared to what we've seen from Cooper Rush all oh. Preseason, and I don't know if you saw this, Brian. I, I I was in the press box, didn't have the the ears with me there, so I wasn't able to hear the radio broadcast. But when the third and four play, where they got an or it may have been fourth down, but they got an offside with Cooper Rush in there, yeah. and he takes a little dump off to either Ferguson or Hendershot, knowing he had the jump, didn't take the shot, and more than that, Simi Fahoko. I don't know if you saw, was wide open down. Yeah. The side. Yeah, and I, he, and, and I think that just encapsulates the way Cooper Rush plays the game as compared to Will Greer is Cooper Rush, even with, you know, you've got the penalty, you've got the guy open on the field, he still wasn't Throw it. shot. Yeah, see, that that's the kind of things that you, you know, if you're, if you're a Will Greer fan, those are the things, like you just said, you point out. I 
Heck, the you know early in the game they had the route to Turpin. They go bunch formation to the right, and they run Turpin like like they kind of hide him. And it was the play where Cooper Rush got hit in the back, where Ball gave up pressure and he got hit. And the, you know it was it was Ball, an incomplete Ball, pass. Ball yeah, was left he tackle. Was, yeah, left tackle he was bad, but it was so funny because I mean Turpin was wide open. It's one of those. If if he just knows where he's going to go with the football immediately, I, I guarantee you, Kellen Moore called that play to get the ball to Turpin. He absolutely called the ball to, to get the, the play to get to Turpin, and you know it, it's like Cooper held it, held it, and then he gets hit, and then the ball comes flying out, and you're watching Turpin downfield. I said it on the broadcast. I'm like, my gosh, if he would have just saw Turpin then and throw the ball, that's a touchdown. And maybe we're thinking different about Cooper Rush, but uh, just—I mean, I haven't talked I'm to anybody good. over there about that. This is what's frustrating. I—they could—they could keep Will Greer. They absolutely could keep Will Greer. I just—just just that weird feeling that they're probably not they because of what Cooper Rush did last year. I—I I have a feeling they'll keep Cooper Rush as well. I agree with you. Uh, one, one thing that makes me feel a little better, of course, I, I don't know if you saw it final 53 man roster projection from Todd Archer had Will Greer though. Yeah. And, and I was, yeah. And Todd, I, you know, I, I, tr- I trust Todd. I love Todd. I mean, Todd's one of my guys that, you know, when you talk to him, he and I have gone through the roster. I can't tell you how many years we've gone through rosters together and tried to figure things out. He says, I'm keeping Will Greer. And I'm like, do you believe that? And he goes, man, he just, it's hard to, to put Cooper Rush in there after what's, you know, Will Greer's made a great charge and all. I'm like, yeah, but was it enough? And he goes, I don't know, but right now I'm just going to be a little different here. And, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that Todd's right about that. I really, well, and nothing against Cooper Rush if his family's watching or anything like that. I just think Will Greer is better suited for how they play offense with Dak Prescott. I think that's important. I, I think he plays – uh, I think he plays with a style similar to the one that they already play with Dak Prescott. That's, that's one. That's the reason. Two, I think I, I I don't know. And this is not to say Cooper Rush is soft. I think Will Greer's tougher. I think Will Greer. I think I think Will tougher. Greer. I, I think Will Greer's got a little S in his neck, if you know what I mean. Will, uh, Will Greer does not have a problem getting hit. He doesn't. Nope. Mind it. And nope. so I love that about him. And he plays with. Uh, he, he plays with a little bit of a gunslinger. He's like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to throw this. It did. Look, it doesn't always, it's not well, that's always. The that's Danucci right now. We always make fun of Danucci. Danucci gets no reps and he comes in there and just slings it around. And you're kind of like, so I've got to the point where like Danucci on the practice squad. Well, okay. You know, yeah, that's sure. fine. I don't have a problem with that. I, I re- he gets no reps. Yeah. I mean, and I, and I'm one of the guys that's like, ah, Danucci sucks this, that, and the other. You watch him; he gets no reps during practice and goes out there and slings it around and makes plays. I, I, re- I, re- I respect the uh, the stones that Ben DiNucci. I, I, I do too. I do but, too. And Will Greer as well. So, and that's just where I look at things. I view it like Cooper Rush is going to play things extremely safe. He, he's not. It's not that he's not tough. I, like I said, I don't want to say he's. A, it's just when I see Will Greer, I go tougher football player, same sort of play style, and is going to go out there and play fearless. Maybe. Maybe He's gonna take shots he made. Maybe they'll think the same way that we all are, me, you, Archer, that they they need Will Greer. Maybe that's maybe that's what we're gonna get. I I, I really do hope so. 
So uh, anybody else that that really stands out to you, somebody who either played their way on or played their way off the roster, I think I think over the course of camp, we came in, and I think, I believe Tristan Hill was outside looking in when they got to camp, and I think he's on now. I think he's on. I'm going to give you a guy that I think is off. I okay. think that, uh, you know, and I, I, I just, I don't know how you keep him, but it's a position where they need guys. I don't think Dennis Houston's on this team. Wow. That's a that call. I, I think I think that you could talk about smarts and route running and play positions and stuff. Dennis Houston has not shown up like Dennis Houston probably needed to, in my opinion. They you know, again, there's another one that they might keep. Why do I think like the league has guys like Dennis Houston out there? You know, why do I feel like that? You know, I was you know, there was a couple of times, you know, ball in the air, you know, he just didn't go get it, didn't, you know, and maybe that's a position where, you know, they're, they're looking at guys with, you know, with Washington situation and Gallup and all that. But, man, you talk about a guy that got a lot of opportunity and there those times where he was just okay, maybe not to the point where it's like, oh, he needs to be on the 53. I kind of feel like they could go out there and find a Dennis Houston. I really do. Were you impressed sticking on this receiver spot? I think the only guy who consistently showed up in every preseason game and it was like, wow, that that's different was Brandon Smith. Brandon it's strange. Smith, yeah, it Smith, was. Smith made vertical plays in the first two preseason games and then had that toe drag, incredible catch. I, I don't I'll think tell you he what he had a chance. Him. Yeah. But how and about he, the chance? I'd stick him on the practice squad. No, no, absolutely. I mean, how 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 about he got the holding call that negated a long run, a point of attack run. He got called for holding. Then on the long, on third and long, they throw the ball back to him down the left sideline. He extends, he's got his hands on it, and he just can't secure it. And I'm thinking, I, you know, I told Brad, I'm like going, there you go. That's if you get a holding call and you come back and you get a chance to just erase everybody's memory of that call, you got to take advantage of that. But you're you're right about that. I mean, he of the of the tall guys, him and Vasher. Vasher to me, if you want to talk about the guy that that probably the most disappointing because of what was probably expected of him coming in that. Oh man, this is a guy you got to keep an eye on. This guy, you know, he's with the program. Da 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 da, and you know, he he really didn't live up to the billing. Maybe he goes somewhere else. Maybe he gets on the practice squad. But kind of right now, I I just would say that that was probably a pretty big disappointment to me. I th- I think Vasher is probably on their practice squad, um, and, and so I I don't yeah he he's somebody who faded as camp went along. He did um, the pressure but- the pressure got tough. It got yeah, tough on him. It did. I, I've got a little bit of a conspiracy theory here for you, Brian. Uh, Kelvin Joseph, <laughs> one play, concussion, he's out. He got hurt last year in the in the final preseason game, didn't he? He did. He, did. Yeah. he had that uh, hamstring or calf, one of those soft tissue injuries. Um, Growing, maybe? He, he, gets the, uh, he, he gets the, the concussion. Before the game, he was – way late getting into pads and he was working on resistance cords. And I just remember thinking, is Kelvin Joseph not playing tonight? 
And then he goes out there for one play and he comes off the field. And then I remembered, I was sitting next to Barry Church in the uh, press box and I was like, I can't remember if this was the year you were here, Barry, or not. I was like, but they stuck Rico Gathers on IR with a concussion at the very end of camp. Yeah. And with us talking about where Kelvin Joseph is, is it too conspiracy minded of me, Brian, to say maybe they're just going to stick him on IR with a concussion? You know what? I mean, they're going to have to get creative. We can cut this team down on Tuesday, and it's going to look a lot different the following Monday when they get ready for the Buccaneers. Yeah. So, you know, I, yeah, to me, man, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, it's like the first play, the ball goes to the outside. He's part of the tackle. Same thing happened last year. I think they were playing the Texans last game of the preseason. And it just – and he got hurt. And you're going, no, not two years in a row. And it just – he just can't – He nothing good happens for him. He can have a – he can have – I say that. He can have a good play – he might have another good play, and then there's ten others where you're going. What just happened? So, I uh, conspiracy theory maybe, but uh, you know who you, is that mean you keep on right, McCombo, yeah. that kind of thing. That's what you're going to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I don't, I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Ask doubt, but, yeah, I don't doubt what you're saying there. Ask him a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. Love of the Stars an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. All right, Brian, after the game, we were all hanging around, waiting by the locker room, seeing if we were going to get a, a Jerry Jones quote or two. Were Jerry you lurking not, again? You were lurking? We were. We were just, you know, they opened up the locker, and uh, they were telling us, like, come on in. And and we're like, all right, just one sec. We're going yeah. to hang for a sec, because uh, I'm sure you've been down there by the locker. Oh, yeah. Before, yeah. before they opened up the locker, you always get the doors swinging wildly open when Jerry just comes out and is like, you know. Mm-hmm. He announces his presence with that wild, you know, door opening. It's but like you're going into a saloon at the in the old exactly. west. Exactly, that's exactly what sheriff it's comes walking into into the saloon. He just open, and everybody turns their head back and looks, and and so he we didn't get that. And then when the locker opened, everybody's like, "Well, let's just hang around, see if he comes out." And uh, he did not. He he never came to talk to us, but Stephen Jones did. Yeah. And so uh, a few of us were hanging around Stephen Jones. We've got some of the audio there, uh, and we'll we'll talk about some of that here. First clip here from Stephen Jones. We've got a handful of them. Uh, Stephen talking about how they will approach these next couple days leading up to the cutdown. We'll be trimming our roster. The guys who know, know, which is, you know, most guys probably know where they stand. But it's time to go to work and get ready for Tampa. That's what we're the most worried about. But the cutdown's the cutdown. We'll deal with that. Were you tough make good decisions. Were you tough a decision that, I mean, secondary, running back? Yeah, I wouldn't get it. Can't tell you that, Clarence. Come on, man. <laughs> Y'all know where they are. I mean, everybody, uh, everybody knows kind of who's there. I mean, it'll be one of the harder cuts we've had in a while. Boy, he reminded me of Brian Broaddus oh, there. Oh, how about that? That was, very, that was very like me in 1998, getting ready for the draft. 
You can it was. if you want. Just I, 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 Eagles I, I press needed, conference. <laughs> I needed pull it, and we're gonna pull it and play it for next press conference. I forgot, but Brian uh, gave his press conference when he was running the draft for the Eagles in '98, and yeah. and Brian famously said, "It's no mystery. You guys know what we need." Yeah. And uh, that's exactly what Steven basically said. You guys know where the tough cut downs are. And uh, I think <laughs> that there is clearly defensive line, running back, uh, some of the areas like that. Um, and while running back's a tough cut down, he, he shot a straight a little bit. I didn't pull this clip, um, but when Champlin's injury got brought up, he was like, yeah, that was tough. He's like, um, I don't think we had any injuries tonight that affect our 53, though. Yeah. And so, like, I mean, clearly he's saying, like, Champlin's not going to be on the 53. Champlin, he played, I mean, the kid played That's as hard as he could play. He he found a way to uh, to to be noticed. I mean, that the, the toughness he ran with, I, I was super impressed with him. Yeah, absolutely. And, and showed up a lot of the preseason. So did a lot of the running backs. And that reference to, you, you know, when we talk about the running back position maybe being a tougher cut down, Malik Davis did play. Rico Dowdle did not. And there might take- be something wrong with Rico Dowdle we need to figure out, by the way. Well, you can take that a couple different ways. Is he injured? Is that, he- that's, yeah. I think I think there's something going on there, Bobby. I, and I need to, darn it, I and I needed to, I didn't get back on that. But there, 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 I believe there's something that was going on with him that kept him out of that football game. We've got running back and defensive line that are probably the toughest cut down areas. And there were two notable guys sitting out Rico Dowdle and then Terrell Basham. Yeah. And to me, you then go, okay, is this an injury or is this, we're not going to play and cut you kind of a thing. You're, you're sitting out because you're on the roster or yeah. you're sitting out because we don't want to injure you. Cause we're about to trade you like they did right. to Sharp Ward where they kept him out of the last game or, or you release them and they're vested veteran guys I, I don't know about uh rico but yeah that's yeah see that's the thing you worry about is having it but uh I, I need to darn it i'm mad at myself now because that was something I, I i had heard there was something that we need to check on and i should have done that before we came on air today so you're a uh, you're a guy who is davis over dowdle though correct i am for keeping three yes yeah, but I would am. you be in favor of keeping four I would rather keep four running backs than three than four tight ends. Does that make any sense? It does, because again, we talk about injuries that seem to happen right at the end of camp. I think Sean McEwen's got a chance that he's not on the roster that he gets stashed away on IR. Uh, yeah. so happen. But Peyton Hendershot, by the way, Peyton Hendershot the other night shows up again, flashes a couple times, and uh, you want to talk about playing with a little S in your neck, like you mentioned earlier with Will Greer. There's a little bit of that with Hendershot too, I think. Yeah, there is, and. But, man, the All-22 came out, and so I was watching him pretty close. Uh-huh. I mean, like, every time he was in their block, there's some S in the neck, but there's also some just not quite getting it done yet. You know? Not it, strong enough. Yeah, I mean, it, it was the effort, uh, the the positioning not great. The effort is the effort's great. The positioning of the of the feet and the hands and all that, something he's got to work on a little bit. But for the most part, man, he fights his rear off to try and get those blocks. It's just I purposely watched him because Seattle did a pretty good job of kind of containing their running game. And it was a little bit more of a difficult, it was some tough sledding, as we used to say in scouting. But uh yeah, he 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 had some really good moments blocking, and then others where you were like going, oops. That's not very good. So that's what the I all think, twenty-two showed. 
Uh, Stephen Jones uh, was talking about uh, the letter was asked about the left tackle position. This is probably the most noteworthy quote coming out of uh, his postgame discussion. This is the one that got uh, the most, I think, you know, coverage on Twitter and things like that. He was asked about how they plan uh, to address this left tackle position with Tyron Smith's injury. Well, the good news is we addressed it in the draft from the get go. We said, you know, he's our future left tackle. So this might be the future, maybe sooner and later. Unlike for Dak five years ago, six years ago, whatever it was, he had to step up and Tony got hurt. He didn't go get a veteran quarterback, plugged him in. And, and I think the group as a whole has got a lot of confidence in, you know, our five guys we got. And then I thought, well, let's go did a nice job tonight. Tom, did you get any snaps at the left tackle in the preseason or training camp? Where he played in college. I mean, he, it's not foreign to step out there and be left tackle. And that's why we kept him on the left side because there's a lot of things that go hand in hand. And that's why it was important to, you know, really work him over there rather than move him over to right tackle or uh, left side. Works good and we'll see. But, you know, and totally made the final decision exactly what we're going to do. But beginning of the week, we'll have made that call. Boy, that sounds to me like Tyler Smith's just starting left tackle, even though he says well, they haven't made a decision. Yeah, I mean, what happened during the draft? They called him a left side player. You know, everybody just uh, – I think there would be a lot less questions about the position or the change if he, in fact, had played some left tackle during preseason. If or, he if he let, had, or if he had yeah. been the guy at left guard. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing. I mean, you're right because their questions like, well, how the hell does McGovern beat him out? That kind of thing. Or, you know, if they would have just if they would have just played the plan. Now, Bobby, we might be in a situation where, you know, there were some assignments that might not have been right. That's something you know when you when you don't play a guy at another spot. Never with Micah Parsons, they kept throwing stuff at him last year because he wasn't busting. He, he, wasn't, he handled it. He would go rush the passer. He'd go play in coverage. He'd go play, you know, linebacker snaps, whatever he had to do. But he wasn't busting. The minute you start throwing a lot at a rookie player and he can't handle it, he starts to short circuit a little bit, then you're worried about, uh-oh, do we lose this guy for both positions? You know, do we, you know, where are we at? So I, I wonder if we're going to hear, and, and maybe we won't, but I wonder if we're going to hear if there was a little bit of like they were worried about him with total assignments uh, and they wanted to make sure that just playing left guard was the right place for him to get those reps. Well, and and to the point of, well, if he couldn't even beat out McGovern because McCarthy told us, you know, if the season started to get today, it'd be Connor McGovern starting at left guard. Uh, I'd just like to point out that well, that's because Tyler Smith is hurt right now well, right you, you could take it literal to mean if the season literally started today tyler smith I, I want to believe that that's what i want to believe i don't know oh, if anybody else wants to believe that with me here's the other thing you were sitting in the booth you probably heard this the coaches show he told brad champ flat out matt Willetsko starting at left tackle tonight and yeah. they were not there and matt Willetsko did not start at left t- so mike mccarthy is lying about who's starting at left tackle in the third preseason game. I don't know that we can always trust him saying, well, if the season started today, this guy would be our left guard. I'm still convinced Tyler Smith would have been starting week one at left guard if Tyler, if Tyron. I, I want to believe that too, but heck, I've been wrong a lot before in my life. 
Speaking of uh, Matt Willetsko, who I, I think you and I both agree did a pretty solid job. Amazing. Limited Amazing. we've seen. He just got back yeah. in pads this week. Uh, Matt Willetsko uh, was a topic of conversation for Stephen Jones, who we just referenced there a little bit, said he thought he did a nice job. Here's what Stephen had to say. He's wired the right way. I mean, I think he understands the game. I don't think it's too big for him. You know, we'll just have to see with the injury. That's a tricky injury he's got. We knew he had it coming out. Where I was wide open and knew what he had. And obviously, if the, you know if it were to come out again, then it's a, you know probably a little more problematic in terms of not problematic. You just have to fix it. So uh, the they're still it sounds like trying to figure out does he need surgery or not for that uh, what is it the subluxation of his. That's of what his it is. Yep. So sure. something that he he apparently had back to North Dakota. Even just reference, and I know that uh, when you had kind of asked around a little bit about things, that was similar to what you heard. Absolutely, yeah. That's uh, when you watched him play, you knew he had a little bit of an injury history when it came to that shoulder, and it just so happened that it, you know, that it popped out on him during a practice. And they, you know, the one number one thing is like they had to determine where can you go in there and fix it, tighten it up, do all those things, and they determined that it just needed rest. That was surprising to me that he played. And I say wow. that because I was thinking, okay, here's one of those fix the soul, uh, keep him active for a day, maybe bring him back, you know, kind of a roster manipulation things. I just, you know, I just kind of feel like that, man, that was, that was just a kid toughing it out. And, you know, he finds his way under the 53 man roster by doing that, you know, so good for him. You know, Hey, uh, Hey Bobby, I did get an update. I reached out. I reached out to somebody about uh, about Rico. Yep. And uh, the word I got was just being smart with him. So. So does that sound like a guy who's on the roster to you? I think so. Kind of sounds like that. So, uh, man, you know, maybe they're going to run with four. You know, man, I, I would. It's hard. To, it's going to be. I mean, I, if, if, if Paul Todd Archer. Okay, Archer will tell you. Uh, there's. Every team has a Davis. Every there's Davises all over the, you know. Sure. Mike Mike Bassett, who I work with, oh, there's Davises everywhere, you know. And they, you know they could be right. They absolutely. You know, oh, there's Rico Dowdles. There's you know they could be right. But man, when you watch a guy just give it his all and and you know fight his way on the team and man that that was I, I'd love to have Davis. I, I Dowdle. I mean, see the thing about Davis is when you watch him play. He's also the personal protector. And that used to be the Noah Brown job too, personal protector. So, okay, well, if Davis is playing special teams, if he's on the team, is does he take over the Noah Brown spot there? You know, because Noah Brown might be playing, you know, more snaps. Yeah. So there's a lot, there's a lot going on there. But yeah, it just got word and I'm glad. I reminded myself, but uh, the quote I got was just being smart with him. So there you go. So uh, one of the other questions here in the wake of the Tyron Smith injury is about how much this team may be working the phones. We've heard it's an internal candidate in all likelihood. And like I say, from the way that Stephen Jones talks there, that sounds like the plan is Tyler Smith. It is. And, and <laughs> it, what is it's what else? It's it's it they have no choice. They have and no it, choice now. And it cannot be Josh Ball. And, no. and I, I was stunned going back to Well, let's go. I was stunned that with the limited amount of reps was he was amazing. 
definitely better to me than Josh Ball at left. Hey, if you want to, if you want to say, if you want to kind of fault, well, let's go for some stuff. He will catch some blocks now. He is yep. not this strong. He will catch some blocks, and you know he got driven a couple different times, but no worse than what we've seen with you know Terrence Steele and guys like that. So oh, for yeah. him not practicing at really at all and going out there and playing. I think it's pretty amazing to be honest with you. Steven Jones, uh, final clip here, asked about how much they may be working the phones in the wake of Tyron Smith's injury. We always do that. That's a no-brainer. And you're always fielding calls and checking around and looking around. But it's, you know, offensive line's a tough spot in this league right now. My guys out there that just uh, can, can step in. And, you know, Connor McGovern's been coming and you know, he's look at him as a starter type offensive lineman in this league. And pick Tyler Smith, number one, you don't find a lot of guys out there just that can step in and do better than Tyler. Okay. That you don't find a lot of guys out there that can step in and do better than Tyler. I don't know how much clearer, even with him saying we haven't made the decision yet. I don't know how much clearer they can say Tyler Smith is starting at left. Yeah. Well, okay. yeah, this is what we're doing, Bobby. We're going to, we're going to start Tyler Smith. We're going to start him against Tampa in week one. We're going to talk about it all week. We're going to talk about it for the next however long until the Tampa game about that. And we're going to talk about the matchups and stuff like that. But they're also, like you said, they're also working the phones. I feel like they've got some surplus. They've got some surplus at defensive line, which some people don't have very good defensive tackles or defensive ends. I feel like they've got a surplus at safety, to be honest with you. You know, that's, you know, that's kind of something that a lot of teams don't have safeties. So, you know, those are a couple of spots that if you were, a, if you were a, uh, heck, I mean, do you find a way to trade Will Greer? You know, that's, that's something, you know, could, could a quarterback get you back? Some of these teams are struggling right now with their, their health of their, their team. Look at Carolina right now. Sure. You know, I mean, they, it, it's, I'm sure they're, they're thinking about it right now. But maybe you have some surplus, and maybe it will maybe it will get you if you could flip a guy, you know, one of these positions for an offensive lineman. But right now, it's going to be Tyler Smith, and what they're going to probably do is wait till after the first game, and then you go get a veteran guy, whether that's uh, you know Jason Peters, whether that's uh, whether that's uh, Eric Fisher, you know, somebody like that. They still be can working on trading for a guy, you know. They're uh, you know I. I People were whispering about the name Walker Little from Jacksonville, you know, and talking to Jacksonville, they love Walker Little there. You know, the general manager there absolutely loves him, but you know, there might be a possibility that, you know, you could, you could pry him away from Jacksonville. It might cost you something, but there's a second year offensive lineman that would be a pretty decent guy to go get. A guy in Walker Little that the Cowboys uh, thought well of when he's coming out of Stanford. Sure did. Yeah. You're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, it's now time for mine and Brian's personal favorite part of each episode, and that's where we turn this over to you guys for your questions and the Twitter mailbag. And, Brian, the most common question I got this week in the uh, tweet that I sent out uh, soliciting questions, I, I think the most common thing I got was in regards to Denzel Mims. And people asking about the Jets receiver, the former Baylor product, who it's been announced that uh, his agent basically, his, his agent Ron Slavin has basically said, 
we're ready to get out of town, ready to go for a trade. I know they liked Mims when he was coming out. Uh, they've got a great relationship with Ron Slavin, the agent. Uh, they've got a terrible relationship with the uh, GM there, Joe Douglas. Yeah. So, uh, Brian, w- would you think they'd consider Denzel Mims at all? I know when when we interviewed uh, Ian Rappaport on 105 Through the Fan uh, last week in the wake of the Tyron injury, Denzel Mims was the name that he brought up when he said, hey, some receivers, maybe they look at Denzel Mims. So, would Mims be a guy that you'd be interested in or you think that they would potentially call about? Kind of feel like they like the guys they have, but man, Mims, he, he has some, I mean, we're in this game against the giants this past weekend, right? Didn't he have, so he was pretty productive if I'm right. I didn't yeah. see the final numbers and stuff on him, but yeah, I mean, that, you know, that, it always goes back to, it always goes back to what you have to give up. And what's the end game for all this? Yeah, you get a get a pretty talented receiver there, kid that goes and makes plays. But you know, and maybe a change of scenery does him some good. I just kind of wonder if the Cowboys are to the point they're like, listen, we'll we'll just ride with these guys we got right now. Now they've got some compensatory picks, I believe, if the formula holds true. Mm-hmm. So you know, they could they could afford to shuffle off a, a pick or two knowing that they're going to get a compensatory pick or two out of this whole thing, what they just did. So I'm uh, of the belief that they would probably sit on what they have, but why would the Jets just give him away? That's one of those, especially if the guy is, you know, I'm sure there's some, some teams that have pretty good reports on him. And I know these, you know, there's probably some people digging in on, you know, what's the problem with the Jets, you know, but uh I know that's just kind of a roundabout answer. I just kind of don't feel like that they would do that right now unless the Jets actually called and said, or, yeah, the Jets called the Cowboys and said, hey, you can have this guy 4A, you know, and what is that 4A? Is that a fourth-round pick, third-round pick? You know, what is that pick? So, you know, that's – unless you can trade, maybe, there, maybe again, we talked about surplus. Sure. But I, I don't feel like the wide receiver at this point – is the most important thing. I think finding that swing tackle will be the most important thing. Uh, Keeping on that line of thinking, then, the question from uh, Garrett Calderon, what's more likely they pick up an offensive tackle, a wide receiver, both or none at all? Brian, I think you're uh, – I I think they have to, regardless of if it's a starter or if it's just more depth, they have to get another body in there at tackle. I think so too. And this is where after week one, you go for the veteran guy, whether it's an Eric Fisher, whether it's a Jason Peters and, and, and maybe, you know, maybe the Tyler Smith start against Tampa, they find a way to, you know, to help him protect him. I mean, much like what they did with steel, you know, they, they, these next few practices and what, what's kind of making this tough is Tyler Smith has an ankle injury and, yeah. I was listening to I was listening to uh, people talk about you know talk about it this weekend and you know like you know when are we going to know and I think they were waiting through this weekend to figure that out to figure out if you know where where that thing really is and so maybe the next couple of days we'll know the extent. Is it something that, okay, he can come back and, you know, here quickly, or is this something that's going to be more long-term? But the fact that Stephen Jones has talked about him being the starter kind of hints to me that they, 
feel like that they've they probably got uh, probably going to have that under control. Question here from uh, one of our loyal listeners, Dr. Mark. He says, is there any concern that the Cowboys are setting Tyler Smith up for failure by having him play a position he didn't really get offseason reps at, which Stephen Jones, you heard him there. Left tackle. I mean, he played played left tackle in his college career. He did. Left tackle. And he played against Ohio State at left tackle. I mean, he's played against good competition. Yes, yeah. yeah. So it's not like he's been a, a center and then they're shifting him to tackle. He's played left tackle in his life. This sure. Not they're not setting him up for anything. They the plan was to 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 one day play him. And like Stephen Jones said, that day that crossing that bridge is today. It's not week eight or week ten. It's crossing that bridge now. So I'm sorry. I'm not mean to be yelling here. No, but no, no. I get you. I he played left tackle at Tulsa. He's played. It just hasn't been in the NFL. And like I said, he's played at the Horseshoe at Ohio State. So he's played some big games, you know. Right, right, right. Not gonna but, be a problem for him. But we also, for instance, we were impressed that 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 Matt Willetsko didn't struggle because he hasn't practiced much this offseason at tackle, even though he played there at college. So I think it's just a similar question: Is are we concerned about rust, given that he really hasn't had tackle reps in pads since you know December or whatever it is? It's well, been a while. Th- th- we have no and, choice. And, and, and if, if if he and this is the the bigger part of the question: if he struggles. Do we have any concern for confidence damage for Tyler Smith or Dr. Mark wants to know, is he wired to handle that? I personally think everything we know about him, he's tough. He's mentally yeah, tough. He's really tough. He'll be fine. I, this kid is not, you know, I, I, I just want to hear what that, what his ankle injury, I want to hear if that's okay. I don't want, I don't need him being limited uh, playing left tackle. I don't need him playing on 80%. You know, I need him somewhere in that 92 to 93 range. Yeah, and and I think it's important to remember, Tyron Smith struggled a great deal as a rookie. Tyron Smith was not great right out of the gate. And you talk about, again, somebody who was very athletic, very strong, really young. It's a very similar profile in that sense to Tyler Smith. So I think even if he struggles, there just needs to be some patience with, this is still a very young player who's coming along. The, the traits are there for him to be a really good football player. Dak, Dak knows. Dak knows what's going on at that left tackle. He knows what's going on at, at right tackle as well. He understands what's ahead of him. Question here from Jake that I like because I think we talked about or we've talked here about guys that, man, this guy was on the bubble, but he played his way on. Who are some guys, Jake wants to know, who started as a lock to make the roster but now maybe seems unlikely or maybe seems like they're on the bubble? Uh, I, I think there's a couple guys you can talk about. The guy that I'm a little – not certain of right now is John Ridgeway. That was a guy I thought was a total lock early, and now I just I'm not sure what to think. Yeah, he he struggled a little bit in that football game. The other, I think there was one good play that he had. It, he just was not getting off blocks like you need to. He, you know, you, you talk about the physicality which you play defensive tackle with, especially the one technique. There was no violence to his game. There was a lot of grabbing, holding, clutching, you know, not getting rid of guys, not playing with power. And we've seen guys like Bohanna and stuff just get rid of guys or get up the field and be disruptive. It's a lot of a lot of with Ridgeway, a lot of standing up, a lot of catching blocks, and then trying to kind of overpower his guy. And then he gets pulled or turned or, you know, kind of moved out of the hole. So yeah, I uh I think they will probably protect the draft there. I was talking to some people like, listen, don't be surprised to, you know, how many one techniques going to carry, 
You know, you're going to carry, you know, especially with, with, you know, we mentioned Neville Gallimore and stuff like that, or we t- we're going to talk about Neville Gallimore, I think, you know, with him being involved, but you know, that's how many guys, I mean, if you, you you're going to carry three, one techniques, basically, you're going to carry two, how many are you going to carry? So uh, that, that spot might be uh, something to, uh, to keep an eye on, on Tuesday. Yeah, and and I think another name to mention, Brian. I don't know if you had him as a lock when training camp started. I did, um, and now whether he's IR'd or not, I just think he's on the outside looking in right now. That's Sean McEwen. I thought McEwen was for sure on the roster when training camp started, and and now I I think it's unlikely. Whether that's because of IR or because they just can only carry three tight ends and they like Hendershot and Ferguson better. Yeah, I mean, those young kids, those rookies have played really, really well. And, they, they, you know, McEwen, they talk about him all the time. They really do. They, they love, But they're also talking about Hendershot and, and Ferguson a, a lot more. I don't know how you keep four tight ends. Now, maybe it's a situation where, uh, you know, he, he when we talked about the well, he's got PCL strain, and that might be a situation where, uh, that PCL strain uh, turns into maybe some IR situations. So uh, maybe being on the roster, then getting put on IR the following the following day. Yeah, I think that that's a a reasonable expectation, and and that kind of we we had gotten a question uh, from Trenton Baldwin asking what do we think the tight end room will look like. I think that right there kind of explains it. Hendershot, Ferguson, Schultz. I think that that's yeah. a, a safe bet. Uh, Here's a question, uh, Brian, from Rob. He wants to know, what are the chances of Turpin scoring a non-special teams touchdown this season? I think it happens. I, I think I think he there's, a, you know, with them using him in these kind of, you know, uh, these reverses or or these jet sweeps or and even giving him a couple routes and just seeing how dynamic he is with the ball. And I think he, he touches the ball on offense at some point and breaks one. At least one. I think that you're going to get uh, you're going to get a red zone screen with him, something like that, where they they motion him across. They got blockers on the outside, and then he just turns and catches the ball. And then they've got numbers, and then he just finds a way to get an 18 yard touchdown, something like that. I could I could definitely see that. He had a chance, like I said the other day, if Cooper Rush doesn't get hit in the back, that he's going to throw the ball to Turpin. It's going to be a touchdown. I mean, he he ran a great route to get open and there was separation immediately as he ran through the defense. So wouldn't be surprised to come back to a play like that. Question uh, for Mario. And, and we'll obviously dive into this a little bit more, but just a, a brief preview since I think everybody's now kind of feeling like, ah, preseason's over. we got regular season. Mario says we can finally talk about matchups. What are you guys looking forward to for week one versus the bucks to me? Trenches. The way the the Buccaneers offensive line is banged up right now and how impressive the Cowboys defensive line looks, that's that's exciting to me. But also on that flip side, we saw just how much that Bucks defensive line was a factor last year with with Vea causing so many problems for the Cowboys on the interior. So with, with obviously some instability on the Cowboys offensive line as well, I think it's whose patchwork offensive line shows more stability. The team that does that, I think, probably is is the you know, ends up winning that football. Well, can the Cowboys secondary cover Tampa Bay's receivers? They're skilled guys. That's going to be a big, big question here. You know, we've seen we we really have in practice. We've seen guys like Anthony Brown practice really well. Jordan Lewis should be okay. Uh, the, you know, the guy that's really, really shined of uh, the guys that's played the game has been Bland, but Diggs, 
you know, Diggs, Lewis, uh, Brown, Bland, uh, those guys are going to have to show up in that football game because hopefully the pressure is there, which you talk about with the banged-up uh, Tampa offensive line. Tom Brady's one of the best in the league when it comes to getting rid of the football. So you have got to find a way uh, to to handle that on the outside in this game. And uh, that, that'll do it for our questions. Just before we wrap up here, I do want to uh, take some time uh, before we uh, finish this podcast. I saw the uh, – the news one of our, our our former buddies is is hurting today uh taylor stern formerly of dallascowboys.com her father uh passed away uh and taylor somebody that i think a lot of us are still uh really close with and really good friends with and and we all think really highly of her and so uh just sending good vibes to taylor and thinking of her and uh sending prayers her way uh as she's dealing with the loss of her dad so uh taylor yeah. we love you and uh we're thinking about you yeah, her father, uh, when we all worked together with DallasCowboys.com, I loved being around her father. And uh, a true American hero, fighter pilot, airline pilot, guy that loved to, you know, just always had a smile on his face, loved being around people, was just a joy. Um, you know, Taylor, uh, her sister, you know, her mom, it, it's a it's a very, very difficult time for them. And, you know, I, I, te- I sent her a text this morning, you know, sending my thoughts and prayers as well. So uh, uh, that's tough. But, man, she had a dad that was uh, he was a real warrior. And uh, she should be proud of that. The, the real life Maverick. and, and uh, that, that, That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, well, that does it for us. We will talk to you guys again on Wednesday with reactions to this final roster. Well, what we know the final roster to be and then some of the changes that we'll we'll try to anticipate from there uh we'll talk to you guys then